You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. One of our favorites um, is Dave Damashek from the Extra Points Podcast. And he's going around at Media Day asking the players and the coaches, is this a must-win game? I love that question. I wonder if my next guest would have the guts to do that as well. Probably not because he's actually a professional journalist. Joining us now, it's been ages, multiple, multiple great cup champ, former NFLer, and does a fantastic job covering the NFL and the CFL on TSN and TSN Edge. It's Davis Sanchez. Davis, thank you so much for joining the show today. Hey, Maddie, I heard that someone mentioned that this morning at breakfast about uh, the gent that was asking that question, but but the way they posed it was that he was serious. So uh, now I know the oh. truth. There was someone messing around, which I think is yes. really funny. It's really funny, actually. It is really funny because it's, you know, it's a goofy question we ask in week nine when there's not much going on in the world. But at the Super Bowl, that is a delightful one. I would love to hear someone try to give the answer, no, this is not a must-win game. Yeah, I, the key is to, to really straight-face it. You know, you have to, yes. you have to ask that question with conviction and, and, and dumb face. You know, I, I think that would, be, that would be comical. So one thing I appreciate, I saw you put out a video. Um, you were chatting with, I think, one of the broadcast team from the BC Lions. I like what you're doing. You are holding back your Super Bowl prediction. When? The world needs to know, Davis. I'm not going to ask you who you like. I'm going to ask you, when will you release it unto the world? That's amazing because when, when your producer called me last night and, when we, and we talked a bit this morning, I didn't mention don't ask me any, any picks because I don't have any, and, and, I'm, it's, and I have reason. I'll follow up with my, my whys for that. Um, yes. But then you're so, speaking of professionals, what a pro you are. Uh, yeah. Not ask, not asking me that, and uh, no, it, it's funny. So the, the thought process for me is like sports betting. It's supposed to be fun. It is fun, but at the end of the day, we're trying to make money. Like that, that's that's that was that's what makes it fun. I mean, you try to yeah. you want to win, and and so you know when we bet during the regular season, we we try to. There's some value in some of the you know less popular markets, and I'll always say, like, Monday Night Football, that's the worst game to bet, you know, because it's very well handicapped, and I'm, as I'm sure you've discussed lots on your show. And, and so games like this, the Super Bowl, there's not going to be a lot of value. There's, there's really not going to be a ton of props that are definitely not game pick, but there's not going to be a lot of props, but it's going to be a bunch of edge for us customers. Um, so for me, uh, I've jumped on nothing, and – but the only thing I'll do is, as the week goes on, because I'm here, and I'm going to bet the Super Bowl, there's no question. I, I do every year, and I'll find some props I like. But as the week goes on, potentially, you know, I hear some things or just the conversation with players and coaches and other coaches, maybe something clicks. And then I find, you know, a side, uh, you know, a matchup that all of a sudden I think, wait, wait a minute, this is not something that people have – have talked about maybe the markets aren't picking up on it, and and there's some value there. So I, I'm just kind of hanging around, and nothing is nothing yet has uh, has came up. And Duffy said, driving back from the hit yesterday, James <laughs> said, "Well, what the hell are you gonna?" I told him that, and he said, "What the hell is someone gonna say that's gonna change your mind?" And and, and I get I get that because it's all a lot of it's smoke and mirrors and BS. 
But I mean more from not necessarily the teams and players, Matt, but more from, from other folks around the NFL and who are, you know, who are, you know, dialed into to these teams and, and schematically and things like that. So that's, that's kind of my thought. Uh, other than getting totally wasted, that's my thought during Super Bowl week. Yeah, and uh, like, well, as for the game itself, and you're right, wait for it, wait for it. You just need that epiphany. Maybe you could do what Aaron Rodgers is doing and go hang out in a darkness retreat for four days, and that'll uh, tell you who you like on the money line. But for me, the hardest thing is, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts, is that like when you look at the pass rush numbers of the Eagles, it is stunningly good. When you look at all the talent of the Eagles, I think they have more talent than KC. I think they're healthier than KC. But then the other side is it is Patrick Mahomes and Philadelphia faced the second easiest schedule of opposing offenses this past year. So I have all these different facts and stats kind of hitting me. And, and, and that's what makes this game so difficult is I can make a clear case for both teams. I guess my biggest concern with Philly is they didn't play very many elite quarterbacks. Now they're facing Patrick Mahomes. Is that big deal, little deal, or no deal for you? Yeah, you, you, lay, you laid out you know, the, the analysis for the game. It's very, you know, something complex is very simple. It's, it's, the Eagles are a much better team. Everywhere, yep. like you said, D line, O line, wide receiver, defense. I mean, you know, I can't think of a position group. I'm sure there's one, but a position group where the Kansas City Chiefs are better, off the top of my head. So, uh, of course, they have Patrick Mahomes, and that's the thing for me is is Jalen Hurts hasn't you know, proven to me at least to be somebody in the second half of the game when he's trailing. You know, can he make the big, accurate throws in tight windows when he's trailing and it's all on him? And I, I look at the markets, and that's probably why, I mean, like we know, Vegas isn't stupid. So if we're, if we're saying every matchup favors the Eagles, yet this number can't get to three, well, why is that? And, you know, and I think that a lot of that is, is, you know, because there's not a ton of trust in a guy who was an MVP candidate, but – Still, there's some hesitation in a, on a big stage, um, you know, having to throw the ball outside the numbers, accurate throws and tight windows. I just – we know Mahomes is going to do it. If, if it's up to Jalen, can he do it? Um, and that's, I think that's the hesitation. Yeah, it, it, it really is. It's, it's, in some ways, it's not fair. Philly's done everything right, but it still comes down to the quarterback – uh, maybe the other, the, the next question for me beyond, you know, how much do we question how good Philly's defense is, considering they didn't have the highest degree of difficulty. My other one, though, for the other side is, what happens if Philly can, no one stops Kelsey from making a catch, but if they can effectively limit him, who's catching passes beyond Kelsey? Great. I think exactly. that one is is that like there's so much pressure on Marquez Valdez Scanlon and and Sky Moore. That for me maybe is the second biggest question. That's a great that's a great question, and it's that, and there's no answer. A great question that there's no answer to, right? I mean, yeah, who is it going to be? And that that's the reason you know to, when I the back back to gambling and and prop bets here. It's it's you know if you're going to bet props, I said this earlier this week. If I'm going to bet, bet props, I'm looking at Eagles props, and just because. You don't know. You don't know with with the Chiefs who's going to be who's going to be the the focus of the offense. It's not other than Kelsey Mahomes. Who's it going to be? I mean, 
who's going to get get carries? I mean, I expect it to be Pacheco, but who knows? It, may, it might be McKinnon more this week. You never know. And then the receiving core, who's healthy? Who's going to be featured? You know, will Kadarius Tony? I mean, if he's if he's healthy and ready to go, is he? You know, going to drop two balls in the first quarter and not play another snap. And that goes the same with MVS. Uh, Nicole Harbin's, you know, banged up. It's just you never know where they're going. So, you know, you got kind of got to win two bets if you're betting the Chiefs. you got to bet the guy, you know, whoever that offensive guy is, you know, has success and, and gets his targets. But you also got to, you know, bet that he's going to stay in the game and be an actual part of the game plan. So I just – I don't like it. It's just you're flipping, you're flipping coins if you're betting any – any uh, Kansas City props other than Kelsey and Mahomes? Yeah, it is. It is tough. All right, let's talk about something easier. How's everything in? Uh, how's everything in Arizona? Uh, you know how crowded is it? I know it's early on. We're just getting into the heart of uh, of Super Bowl week. Uh, what have been some of your impressions from what you've seen in the last twenty four hours? Yeah, so we're out here in Glendale, which is. Uh, Forget what it's is it called, Marketplace or whatever it is. That's right, Westgate, maybe. Anyway, it's right across the street from the stadium. Literally, I can see the stadium from my room, and there's everything out here. I guess it's by the the hockey arena. I guess they built everything out here, trying to have a little community out here. So it's it's great for someone like me that doesn't really want to deal with you know the, the hustle and bustle of Scottsdale every day, going back and forth to do our do our hits and do our work stuff. Um, but when it comes to the nightlife and getting after it and having fun in Scottsdale, it's a good, you know, 40, 45 minute ride in and out. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's nice out here. It's people are bitching about the cold, but, uh, I'm not going to complain. It's uh, a, no. a light hoodie and some jeans versus, uh, you know, a toque and, uh, and a bomber jacket. So I'm, I'm enjoying, it. I know James and, and uh, Duffy and Kara Wagland are out golfing right now. So they're, uh, it's nice enough to golf. So there, there it is. Yeah, as long as it's nice enough to golf, the weather is warm. Trust me, I can see, I can see snow and slush where I where I am here in uh, where I'm here in Toronto. All right, uh, last question for you is, and again, none of these are predictions. These are just things that Davis Sanchez is keeping an eye on and has an interest in. Is there one specific matchup more than any other uh, that you like? Uh, offensive tackle versus Hassan Reddick. Uh, you know, Kelsey versus a linebacker. Maybe the crazy defensive tackles for the Eagles. Is there one matchup more than any other that you got your eye on? Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you two quick ones. Right. One is yeah. One is Travis Kelsey, and, and what what will the Eagles do defensively? I have a feeling, and I, we haven't seen a lot of it from them, but I have a feeling that they maybe take Darius Slay or James Bradbury two extremely long, um, tall, athletic corners and possibly move him in and, and move either one of those guys in and shadow Travis Kelsey around the field. We both, we both said it. He's the key to the game, and you don't know what you have after him. Um, and they haven't done a lot of that. These guys pretty much stay in their position. They're not like Jalen Ramsey. They're not guys that travel with receivers. But I could see that potentially happening. So if that happens to start the game off, that would be something to really watch and see how they want to play Kelsey. The other one is, you know, Philly on, on Kansas City's side and Steve Spagnola defensively, you know, are you gonna are you gonna take away the, the run? Are you gonna add an extra guy to the box and, and make Jalen Hurts beat you or not even Jalen more is, is deal or live with having AJ Brown and Devontae Smith one on one outside uh, against rookie rookie corners. I mean it's 
And a lot of people, it sounds easy, right, Matt? It sounds simple. Okay, well, you yeah. got to stop the run. It, it's Philly. you got to stop the run. So, And you're not going to do it with seven guys in the box. You're going to have to put eight or nine guys in the box to stop Philly's run because, remember, they have an extra man in the run game every time they run the ball because of Jalen Hurts. So the normal math you do with your offense versus defense in the box is not the same when you play Philly because Jalen Hurts is half the run game. So if you bring an extra guy in the box – now you have A.J. Brown who just runs through contact, who runs through jams, and you have to leave him one-on-one out there, which those are deep, deep plays and, and, and obviously kill you. So, you know, how will they decide? How will Spags decide? And I can see Philly running for, you know, 250 yards because he'd rather them slowly run the ball up and down the field than deal with A.J. Brown, you know, dunking on you six times in a game and, and scoring quickly. So that's another thing I'm going to be watching as well. Davis, really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Have fun, work hard, enjoy the hell out of it. We'll be watching on TSN, and hopefully we get to chat soon. All the best. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That is Davis Sanchez. I want to remind everyone, in the next segment, our Tuesday Top 5 is our favorite Super Bowl bets. And also, the Canadian International Auto Show is returning to the Metro Toronto Convention Center February 17th to the 26th. That's like just 10 days from now. And here is your chance. Get ready to text, everyone. Here is your chance to win four passes to the show. Just text the show at 10.50.50. Throw in your name, and the keyword is auto, A-U-T-O, auto to enter. That's the keyword auto and your name to 10.50.50 for your chance to win. Canada's largest auto show is ready to celebrate 50 years with the return of a full range of new cars and trucks, a new layout that shows off some new players in the auto market, a new display from Lego, and more. Get all the details at autoshow.ca, our top five Super Bowl bets right after traffic. This is Gameplay on TSN 10.50. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Embrace the odds. I want winners. It's King Kong Bundy always looking for that big five count. Five now he power. wants the five. And the referee obliges him. Give me a break, ref. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. We are brought to you by FanDuel. Better than all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Speaking of FanDuel, went through FanDuel to get uh, my five favorite Super Bowl bets. That is our Tuesday top five. Nick, I will start with you. Uh, your number five favorite bet. All right, my number five favorite bet. I'm looking at an anytime touchdown scorer mm-hmm. because, you know, why not? Uh, yeah. One name that has been constantly coming up is Isaiah Pacheco. This yeah. guy who tends to get a lot of touches the last few weeks. I like the number at plus 120 for him to get a touchdown in this game. One time, any time, not first touchdown, anytime touchdown, Anytime right? touchdown, plus yeah. 120. Nice. Plus 120? Now Same that, odds as A.J. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of yeah. shocks I, me. Yeah, at 120, no, that is, that is good odds. My uh, number five, I'm going to start with a running back, Kenneth Gainwell. Everyone is going on, uh, when you look at over-unders, we usually do it uh, on yards, what about attempts? I'm going to take Kenneth Gainwell to get over four and a half rush attempts. The man had over 100 yards versus the Giants. He had 16 touches in the NFC Championship game. On the season, he has used triple 
the amount as Miles Sanders on third downs and the Chiefs' pass defense, uh, or just the Chiefs' defense in general against running backs, isn't great. So I'll take Gainwell over four and a half rush attempts. I like that one, and it kind of nicely leans into Uh-oh. my next one here. Okay, what you got? Because I also like Gainwell in this game, and for some reason he's not getting a whole lot of love from the books on his number for rushing and receiving yards. His rushing yards is 16 and a half, but his rushing plus receiving is only at 32 and a half. I like this number a lot. I think there's going to have to be a lot of checkdowns for the Eagles just because we know how good that KC pass rush is. So if he's going to be in there about as often as Sanders is, or even close to that, He's going to get a lot of touches, 32 and a half at minus 114. It's just an easy number for me to take. Yep. Yep. No, 100%. Um, I was, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was looking at all those sort of, uh, the gain well, a lot of those running backs uh, in this game. Also, oh, I want to correct, I want to correct myself. His rushing yeah. yards is at 19.5, not 16.5. It was 16.5 on it one, was, at yeah. one point. So I just want to correct myself, get all the up to date numbers here, Maddie. We are all about legitimacy and transparency here on Gameplay. My number four, I'm going to give you two names, Javon Hargrave and Chris Jones. Who had more sacks this year? I mean, in my head, it should be Jones, which means it was probably Hargrave. It was Hargrave by one. Hargrave had 12 sacks. Hargrave rushed the passer 432 times from the defensive tackle spot. Chris Jones uh, did it at 524, and yet Hargrave had one more sack. Shout out to the ringer for that statistic. That is a long way of me saying I'm going to take Javon Hargrave to record a sack in the Super Bowl against Gimpy Patrick Mahomes. I'm getting that at plus 168. You bet 10 bucks, you win 16. And Hargrave had double-digit sacks, obviously, on the year. So my number four, Hargrave to record one sack. That's not a bad one, and again, you're kind of on the same line of my next one, Maddie, because I'm looking at that Eagles defensive line, and the name that has been, I mean, I guess trending after his conference championship performance is Hassan Reddick. Yeah. I'm not going to go the sack line, mm-hmm. but oh. I think this defensive line is going to be a problem for the Chiefs. Not, oh, yeah. Not going to stop them necessarily, but it's going to slow them down, and he's currently sitting... For his tackles and assist total at three and a half. Okay. I like the over in that. I think he's going to be in and around the ball, especially when the Chiefs are running it. And the over right now is at plus 112. So I'm leaning towards Hassan Reddick over three and a half tackles and assists. Very doable number. Absolutely. The man has been a beast in the playoffs. My number three, I'm going to be a basic B on this one. I am going to take A.J. Brown anytime touchdown at plus 120. Here's the reason why. Um, The Chiefs ranked 31st in DVOA against opposing number one receivers all year. So if you were the number one receiver, if you were the guy getting the most targets, usually you had a much better than your normal week against the Chiefs defense. But it goes beyond that. Legereus Sneed, the best corner on Kansas City, suffered a concussion in the AFC Championship game. Andy Reid is not sure whether or not Sneed will be able to play in the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of rookies. They played well. They're young, they're fast, and they played well against Cincinnati. But now you got three rookies in that secondary. Give me A.J. Brown, anytime touchdown at plus 120. 
I like that one too, Maddie. So that's a that's a good one. Uh, I think, by the way, the basic B bet for the game is a Travis Kelsey touchdown. That is, yeah, that is <laughs> that is the yeah. ultimate. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. think AJ Brown is that as close to that, but it, yes. it's up there. I'll give you that. Um, weird one on FanDuel that I like. Now we always talk about getting out early and getting getting ahead. What about the race to ten points? Mm. I think the Chiefs always are a gonna, fun bet. I think the Chiefs are going to come out quick in this game, and the Eagles are going to have to settle the nerves a little bit. So I'm taking KC minus one hundred six to get to ten points first. Yeah, I, that's a, that is a fun bet to do, you know. Much like the uh, first to five goals, first to ten points. Yeah, and if if one team's going to do it, then might as well go the team that's better on offense. That would be Kansas City. Uh, my number two, I'm taking an alternate passing yardage line for Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to take him to get over 300 yards at plus 108, and here's the reason why. There's a very interesting thing where Patrick Mahomes this year has been both safe and dangerous in the same season. His average pass traveled 7 yards, 7.13 yards past the line of scrimmage. Only 10 quarterbacks had a smaller number. He was a career low for passes traveling at least 20 yards downfield. So basically, this year, he threw short more often than in any time ever. However, Kansas City had more yards after the catch in the regular season than any team in the last 15 years. Mahomes had more completions of 20-plus yards, uh, much more than any other quarterback in the NFL. And the Eagles' defense has not faced a quarterback like this. So it's fascinating with Mahomes. He's throwing the ball, he's throwing the ball less deep, but he's getting more yards out of it. I'm going to take plus 300 yards at plus 108. Okay, I like it. I like it. The last one I got for you, Maddie, and we'll do this quickly because we do have a guest coming on. Oh, God. Yeah, we got to go. But, I went uh, out long in that one. <laughs> so my last good. one, I'll go real short. Yeah. The point total is currently at 50.5. Yeah. I like yep. the under in this one. I think this is going to be a lot closer of a game than people think, and I think the defenses are going to step up. I think we're looking at a 21-18, 24-21 sort of game. So I'm taking the under. I hope uh, your second number is right. My favorite bet, both teams to score 20 plus, 20 points or more at minus 138. KC, only once this year, scored under 20. That was against the Colts at Weird Game. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. See, that's a cool G, Daddy. Oh, now you got to let it ride. Embrace the odds. I want winners. My next guest can't be any busier than he is now. Covering the Lakers means you're busy. Covering LeBron means you're busy. Trade deadline, Kyrie going to Dallas, LeBron James 36 points away from being the all-time leading scorer. Um, Jovan Buha from The Athletic, who covers the Lakers, joins us now. Jovan, really appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you for having me. And also, thank you for putting your pronunciation in your Twitter account. How many idiots <laughs> like me get it wrong? And is there one really horrible way someone has called your name that even that even amazed you? Uh, it, it happens a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the, the most common one is Jovan. Uh, I've gotten some Hovan, uh, Hovan. Uh, it, it's kind of... Honestly, at this point, it's it's 
any name you could think of or any variation of my name. Uh, I also, my, my favorite is I get it at Starbucks when, when I tell them my name, uh, just mm. the, the spelling that they write on the cup <laughs> sometimes is, is pretty funny, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm used to it at this point. So I appreciate um, you saying uh, it correctly. Yeah. Hey, no, listen, that's all on you. Also, you should start putting out pictures of your Starbucks uh, cups with uh, the, the different, uh, the different spellings of, uh, of your name. In the end, is the – and you listed it out uh, in a column on The Athletic about why Kyrie is not coming here. Uh, and uh, But I'm just curious for you, the, the main reason Kyrie is not a Laker, is this just having to do with the Lakers not trusting Kyrie? Uh, I would say, honestly, I think the, the biggest thing was the Nets wanted players who they felt could help them win now, and the Lakers just didn't have – that level of package. I think if, if you were going to yeah. take the Lakers package, that was more so about as the Nets, you are pivoting, you're possibly trading Kevin Durant. You're really looking to go in a younger direction. And, and then you're like, okay, let's get picks. Let's get some young guys and let's just start rebuilding basically. But I think, you know, based on them taking that Dallas package, which obviously the, you know, the, the picks were, not uh, of the value of the Lakers picks that they offered. Um, it was clear that you know uh, Brooklyn wanted to get guys in Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith who are high-level role players, high-level starters who can complement Kevin Durant. So I, I think ultimately that was the you know kind of biggest difference between what the Lakers offered and what the, the Mavericks offered. But um, you know to, to your point. Uh, you know, the Lakers did have some concerns with just Kyrie Irving and, and his track record and, and not having any assurance that he would be there beyond the next three months. So if they were going to throw the kitchen sink uh, at Brooklyn and, and give them, you know, Russ and, and their two unprotected picks and potentially a pick swap or two, and then the, their two young role players, uh, Austin Reeves and Max Christie, uh, you know, they looked at it as, you know, yes, that that could really work out and, and be you know pr- probably on paper worth it uh, to, to get Kyrie in and, and team up with LeBron. But if we give all of that stuff up for Kyrie and he walks over the summer or uh, you know just whatever reason it doesn't work, uh, now we've literally traded every single asset that we have basically and have no means to upgrade the roster outside of free agency. So I think the Lakers have you know made some win now moves in the past where they have given up basically everything or, or a lot of what they've had. And I think they've learned from that where they're kind of looking at, looking at it now, like almost trying to right the wrongs of the past of there probably have been some moves that we've made where we've given up too much to, to get what we wanted, uh, be it Anthony Davis or, or Russell Westbrook. And we're not going to make that mistake again with Kyrie Irving, especially given his track record of, uh, you know, changing his mind a lot and, and just not being yeah. the most reliable star. So I think, you know, I think for Laker fans, obviously they're disappointed. They really wanted Kyrie, but I think the Lakers made a, a strong competitive offer, and ultimately they couldn't compete with Dallas if Brooklyn really wanted to stay competitive. Maybe the most interesting thing was, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for for the last year, the narrative has been that Lakers management did not want to part with their 2027 and 29 first round picks. They don't have many of them, but if this was a serious offer that they threw out there for Kyrie that says management doesn't mind mortgaging the future 
to try to maximize whatever present is left with LeBron James. Correct. And, and you know, the, the way that they've framed it publicly and, and the way that they're looking at it is, that, you know, they're only willing to move one or two of those picks if it makes them, you know, what they feel is a championship contender or, you know, basically a significant upgrade to the current roster. And that's something to watch for. Um, you know, I think they're approaching that more so with the two picks versus moving one. Cause I do think at this point, some type of trade is coming and uh, you know, most likely it's going to be a smaller move, an upgrade of, of, of sorts of, you know, Patrick Beverly in a first or, or Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker in a first. They can't protect that 2027 uh, first-round pick, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that pick get protected and, and, and then get moved. Uh, but for them, it's, it's really a calculus of can this you know, elevate us to contender status? And, and I, I really think the Kyrie Irving trade would have. I, I think it would have vaulted them. You know, right now, they're not even in the playing tournament. I think it would have vaulted them into eventually the playoffs. But once in the playoffs, um, you know, pr- pretty much as good of a chance as, as anybody outside of maybe – a healthy focused golden state team. So I yeah. think, you know, th- th- that move, they definitely felt was worth the two picks uh, with, with what else is out there. I'm not sure if, if they're going to give up those two picks. Um, I, I think it really depends on ultimately kind of the players available, the teams available. Um, you know, the, the two names, uh, or the two teams I continue to hear are, are Utah and Toronto. We know that those teams are approaching the deadline uh, as something of a seller so in, in that case, you know, those teams have some, some interesting players. But, uh, you know, I think aside, aside from that, there really isn't much out there as of now. That could always change. Um, you know, is the Zach Levine available? Is the Bradley Beal available? Like, I think those guys would pique the Lakers' interest and, and get those two picks. But outside of that, I think that they're probably hard-pressed to, to move those two, um, which makes me kind of wonder how big of an upgrade they're actually going to make. How much would Fred Van Vliet help the Lakers? And we'll move this away from trading. Well, you're going to have to give up this pick and maybe a pick swap and yeah. all that. Just just purely basketball player and fit. What would a Fred Van Vliet mean for the Lakers? I think he would, he would help them a lot. I mean, I think the, the, the kind of popular question uh, around Lakerland this season has been, who is uh, the, the third best? Laker, and I think maybe the you know the the national perspective or uh, you know the the outside looking in, a lot of people would just assume Russell Westbrook. But I, I think if you ask people around the team, if you ask the fan base, uh, it, it's a legitimate discussion. And they're uh, you know the most popular answer might actually be Austin Reeves, which is why so many fans were uh, happy that uh, you know the, the Lakers didn't include him in the Kyrie deal. But uh, you know Austin Reeves being their third best player also has them. Uh, you know, as the 13 seed right now. So I think for, for the Lakers to get someone of, of Fred's, uh, you know, status, like obviously this had a little bit of a down year, you know, by his standards, not shooting the ball the way that he has in the past. But, um, you know, I also think he, he's just never played with a playmaker uh, and, you know, a, a setup guy at the level of a LeBron James, right? Like yeah. he's just kind yeah. of one of a kind in, in that role. So the, the shots that I think Fred would get with the Lakers – really being the third option and, and, you know, not having to do as much offensively, really focusing more on, on shooting and, um, you know, running those, those units when LeBron's off the floor and, uh, you know, building up his chemistry with Anthony Davis. Like, I think he would be a, a great fit as the, the third star on this team and, um, you know, add a level of just, uh, you know, competence and, and, and toughness that they've kind of been lacking at that point guard spot. So, 
Um, you know, I think that would properly kind of shift Dennis Schroeder to, to a bench role. I think he is better suited more as a backup point guard and uh, it would make a lot of sense. So I, I think if, if the like, you know, for, for me, if the Lakers could get Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., I would give up both first round picks for that. I think I would try to protect that 2027 pick. Uh, they, they can't protect the 2029 one, but I would send both of those picks along with Russ and, and maybe a Max Christie or, or, or Lonnie Walker or something like that to Toronto uh, for Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. I think that would upgrade the Lakers starting lineup, the closing lineup, and, and make them a much tougher out uh, come playoff time. And, you know, and also for you're only going to get so many more years. Of course, we keep saying that about LeBron, who's the Tom Brady of basketball. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, my God, you got to maximize what you're getting. We'll get to LeBron and what could happen tonight or Thursday. But I do have to ask, and again, joined by Jovan Buha, who covers the Lakers for The Athletic. If the Lakers do nothing, what does LeBron James's social media accounts, what do they look and sound like on Friday morning? <laughs> Uh, I think at this point he, he's already vented uh, enough, you know, with the, uh, and he made it very clear, uh, honestly, awkwardly clear that he wanted yes. Kyrie Irving. Um, and, and we've still yet to really, I mean, we, we spoke with Russell Westbrook in New Orleans uh, after the, the Kyrie, uh, you know, trade request and, and him being you know, mentioned. But, you know, since then Kyrie was traded to Dallas, LeBron had his tweet. Then he had the ESPN sit-down interview where he said he was disappointed. And, like, you know, uh, whether advertent or not, uh, him publicly campaigning to, to get Kyrie Irving is also him publicly campaigning to trade Russell Westbrook because there was no way financially possible for the Lakers to acquire Kyrie Irving without having Russell Westbrook in that trade. So, you know, it, it just – I think that there's kind of an awkward uh, dynamic there with, with that, but – I think I think LeBron, you know, already vented. He, he already got it off his chest. Um, you know, I, I do not think he will be happy by any means if, if they do not make a move. And um, you know, I, I know he wants them to make a move, but I don't think I think he's already kind of had his, his public outburst, uh, you know, so to speak. And I think he'll, he'll probably uh, keep quiet. It, it you know, at least on social media, if they don't make a move uh, by Thursday. How big is tonight? Like, I'm curious, what what do you expect for the atmosphere? More celebrities, crazy expensive ticket prices, 36 points away from surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar tonight against OKC, and then Thursday, if he doesn't do it Thursday, against Milwaukee. What do you expect tonight for the atmosphere? I mean, I, I heard there were a 1,000 uh, media credential requests, oh. which is just an absurd amount. You know, like the, the average game is, probably around 50. Uh, oh, so, you know, it, it's, <laughs> and, and some of the bigger games, you know, playoff games, it might get closer to like 150, 200. But, um, you know, 1,000 is obviously you know, just, an, a, just an absolutely insane uh, number of requests. And uh, obviously, you know, not all those people will, will be approved and, and be able to attend. But, like, that just shows you, uh, you know, the, the appetite to, to be in the building tonight. Um, you know, there's been reports that, uh, you know, some ticket prices are as high as seventy-five thousand uh, dollars, which is also, you know, just a, a, an incredible, uh, you know, number. But uh, I think, you know, the, you're going to see a bunch of celebrities there tonight. You're going to see a bunch of people with ties to LeBron. Um, you know, Draymond Green famously said that if the Warriors had a game and, and LeBron was about to break the record, he would miss the game to go see LeBron break the record. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's there tonight. 
Um, and, you know, I think it's just going to be, you know, I, I'm trying to think on it. Like, I guess the, the probably the biggest game I've ever covered uh, was, was Kobe's final game. And that yeah. was obviously a movie with, with him going for 60 and, and just, again, kind of slip, you know, every celebrity you could think of was in attendance there. But this is probably bigger than that, honestly. Um, you know, this is history. This is something that hasn't been done in, in almost 39 years and uh, really is, you know, LeBron compared it to, the home run record. And, and I think that that's probably an appropriate comparison. Like this is the home run record of basketball. And, um, you know, we, we can, we can sit here and discuss and analyze basketball as much as we want, but at the end of the day, that the most important thing in the game is putting the ball in the basket. And, and you know, as of tonight or, or Thursday, no one will have done that more than LeBron James. So I, I think it really is, uh, the, the crowning achievement of his career. Uh, if you want to argue that he's the greatest of all time, this is going to be one of those things that's near the top uh, of that argument. And, and really, I think, uh, uh, you know, kind of a different a differentiator between him and Michael or, or him and Kareem is just, we've never seen someone, you know, Kareem did win a finals MVP, you know, late in his thirties and, and yep. he was obviously still really good, but he, you know, I think he was averaging 23 that year. Like Le- LeBron's averaging 30 right now. We, we've just never seen someone play at this level this deep into their career. And, um, you know, I, I know he, he's got a lot of detractors and he hasn't always done things the way that people have wanted, but, um, you know, just the longevity and, and really the, uh, you know, endurance that he's had throughout his career is just, uh, I think, incredible and, and something that tonight will, will most likely be, um, you know, a, a celebratory, uh, you know, kind of victory lap for him. Oh yeah. It's incredible. There are, there are producers at this station that were born after LeBron played his first mm. professional game with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's a hell of an accomplishment. Um, and now we're just waiting to see. Is it? Do you have a prediction? Like, I'm kind of predicting Thursday, Milwaukee, uh, do it against Giannis. Um, but, I mean, that's just me. Do you, have, do you have any prediction on this? Or are you just like a leaf in the river just floating around to watch it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say I'm a leaf in the river, but I would, I would say at, at first, um, you know, as, as we started to get a clear idea of, of when it was going to happen, it, it kind of became clear it was going to be either today or, or Thursday. Uh, I was leaning Thursday because of the narrative. Um, you know, he, he's always had a little something extra for the Bucks and, and for Giannis. And, um, you know, those games have always been close and, and competitive. And there's also the built-in storyline with Kareem and, and his ties to Milwaukee and, I think that there are some built-in narratives there that would be interesting and, um, you know, I, I think fun. It's, it's also a national TV game going to be on TNT, but, uh, you know, I, I come back to this, like throughout the season, a couple of times, LeBron has mentioned that recently over the past couple of years, he's been breaking all these records uh, and setting all these milestones and achievements and whatnot, but they've often come in losses and it's kind of taken the uh you know the the excitement and and, and just the the celebratory nature of it you know out of it because you know I, I think it's just it's not a great look if lebron's like you know yeah i did this you know great thing but we lost the game and like you know for him at the end of the day he cares about winning and um you know he he wants to win every game and and he doesn't want to be you know celebrating uh the, these milestones on a lottery team so i think you know, looking at the Lakers' chances versus OKC versus their chances versus Milwaukee, I, I'd like them more in that OKC game. So I think tonight, 
Um, you, know, you also have the element of like it, it could be a close game. OKC is is one of the teams that's slightly ahead of the Lakers in the standings right now. So like if you have a close competitive game, LeBron drops, you know, that point thirty four, hits a big bucket in the clutch to get to thirty six, breaks the record, the Lakers win the game. Like that's a more positive narrative. Where you know if he doesn't break it tonight, he probably gets it early in that Milwaukee game. But then if they lose that game, it just kind of takes you know, some of the air uh, out of, out of the achievement. Yeah. So I think he's going to go for it tonight, but uh, of course you can never guarantee a, a 36 performance, uh, e- even with LeBron James. So, um, you know, definitely one of the next two games, but I- I'm, I'm betting on tonight. Yovan, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining the show. Enjoy the night. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yovan Buha covers the team the Lakers for the athletic. We got to take a break on the other side. Sound of the day. It involves Andy Reed and Mac and cheese, but first traffic. A couple quick bets that I like tonight. Before we get to sound of the day, Colorado at Pittsburgh, and it's basically even it's minus one ten, whichever side you go on. I like Colorado in this game. Uh, I don't think Tristan Jerry still day to day undisclosed injury. Colorado is getting healthier. Pittsburgh had lost a bunch before the All Star game. Colorado had won seven of eight, um, so I like Colorado. Meanwhile, Minnesota at Denver NBA Nuggets are favored by nine against the Timberwolves. I am all over Denver. They lost their last game in Minnesota, but they didn't even have any of their starters. Hell, their starters didn't even go on the plane to make the trip to Minnesota. And um, this is the fourth meeting between these teams. Denver's got to win this to split the series. Also, Minnesota will be without Carl Anthony Towns, and a couple of their depth guys could be out as well. So I like Denver to win and cover the nine-point spread. I like the Colorado Avalanche on the road against the Penguins. And uh, you can find those lines on FanDuel. Speaking of which, gameplay on TSN 1050 was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day, Sound of the Day. Here comes the Sound of the Day. And Sound of the Day, we go yesterday to Super Bowl Media Day. All the players and coaches are there. And one reporter remembered like a year or so ago hanging out at an airport with Andy Reid. And Andy Reid gave him a special like multi-multi-cheese mac and cheese recipe. And the reporter brought that up yesterday. Years ago, he gave me a mac and cheese recipe at the airport in Indianapolis. Do you remember what the cheeses were that were in the recipe? Yeah, there were seven of them. There were seven. There were seven. <laughs> there were seven. But you only sent me six. Then you said five would be good. Yeah, five is good. Seven's better. Um, I don't remember all, but I could get my iPhone too and pull it up. You look good though. You haven't been eating too much mac and cheese. Seven cheeses for mac and cheese. I got a problem with this, Nick. Hey. Why? Okay, listen, I love cheese. I love mac and cheese. But if you have seven cheeses, are you really going to be able to taste them all? Are you really going to be able to, to, to tell the difference between the Gouda cheese versus the old cheddar, you know, versus the gray owl? Like, are you going to be able to tell the difference in all those cheeses? Yes, if you have a, an experienced palate. You don't yes. need to. You don't need <laughs> to go against me when you know I'm right. 
No person has seven cheeses in their mac and cheese and can go, oh, I'm tasting this and this. There's the Swiss. There's this and this and this. It's too many cheeses. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's how those cheeses are blended together, and it's and it's the amount you use of each cheese. Because if you have a very strong cheese, you don't use as much, it'll actually balance everything off. So I'll give them credit. No, it's a horrible idea. You could not be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong if your ass was stapled to your face. Here's the rule about making mac and cheese. You use about three quarters of the chemical cheese they give you. You shred in your real cheese, cheddar, and then you throw in bacon. That is the classy KD. It's delicious. It is delicious indeed. Good. We leave on a positive note. Thank you so much. All the best to you, Nick. Good job by you. Good job, everyone. Be good. Be safe out there. Overdrive is coming up next. But first, traffic.